So sometimes when you write, it really flows. It's like the story is literally writing itself. These characters are doing what they want. They're just rolling out on the page in front of you. It's, it's sort of crazy. And then sometimes it's like you're pulling your own teeth with a rusty pair of pliers. Welcome to The Defense Never Rests with Morgan and Akins, your monthly dose of uncommon sense about all things legal and some that are not. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Defense Never Rest. I am your host, Trisha Baxter. Joining me today is Megan Henry. Hey, Megan, how are you? Great. How are you? I'm, I'm good. You know, it's, I think, feel like, are we coming out of COVID yet? Or, or is I it coming? Are we going back in? I think we're on our way back in. It's like Groundhog Day all over again. <laughs> Lovely. Well, I, you know, this, this episode I'm super excited about. I think I'm excited about all of them. I think I just say the same thing before every episode, but I... I love the idea of exploring people's passions outside of the claims field, outside of the legal field. And since writing is something that claims and lawyer claims people and lawyers do every day, it, there's this connotation that it's boring or like formulaic, I think you said before, or, or just not that interesting, but there, and we tend to forget that there's a whole other side of writing, which is the creative side that people tend to enjoy. And that's what we did today is really brought on guests that have that passion for creative writing, whether blogging, um, both of our guests have either written a book or, and published a book or in the process of, of writing and publishing one. So, and I'm excited about that. You and I write on LinkedIn all the time. I mean, that's kind of what our, our create, at least that's my impression. I'll, I'll throw it to you in a second to tell me that you disagree with me, but that's my creative outlet writing is that because I don't really do a lot of long blogs. We do some, I do some videos and stuff like you, but I, I don't do any other outstanding creative writing, but I have a mad respect for people that have published novels or books or, you know, things like that. Oh, absolutely. And that, to me, I'm fascinated and just so impressed with someone who can come up with an idea and flesh it out to the point that they're writing three, 400 pages, you know, with all these themes woven through. Like, I mean, I love to read a good book. I just couldn't imagine being able to think that intricately to write it out and stay that dedicated to it. Um, so I get, I'm so impressed by it. I think my, our shorter format works much better for me. I can bang out a, you know, what, what is it? 1300 characters or less um, in a shorter period of time. And I get my, my thought out and then I can move on. I just, I'm very impressed with someone who can really like dig in deep and deep into that project for months upon months and develop this just story. Uh, yeah, it's just amazing to me. Yeah, I think so too. So, well, let's get into it. We have two guests today. Lisa Golkul, she is a supervising attorney for an in-house counsel agency. She's a mother and author and working on her first novel. I've read her first chapter. It's amazing. And I think it's coming out maybe at some point at the end of this year. Um, our second guest is Steve Joseph. He's the second VP at Western World Insurance Group. He's an attorney. He's also a marathon runner and author of a Crankosaurus children's book series with an adult version coming out soon. You'll also hear he's a fantastic cook, which I always give guys credit for when they're cooks. So without further ado, I want to bring them both on. Well, welcome Lisa and Steve to the podcast. I'm so excited you guys are both joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. Nice to be here. Great so to be I, here. 
I, I love the fact that we're doing this episode on writing. A lot of what lawyers do and claims people do are write, whether it's in diary notes or you know case uh, updates or legal briefs. But I love to explore the idea of writing outside of that fiction, nonfiction, having a passion for it. And you two have a passion for writing. And I, that's what we're kind of going to get into today. Tell me, I'll throw this to you, Lisa, first. How did you get started in your, in your passion and love for writing? Thank you, Tricia. And I will say, first of all, I love that you guys are having this on here because I've been an attorney for 23 years. I'm a supervising attorney. I've written over 100 opinions and edited thousands of opinions. And I think actually outside writing is really helpful in your legal writing as well. You know, they are similar skill sets and there's a lot of things that carry over. In terms of your question, I was interested in writing really early. So I loved writing as a child. I loved reading fantasy. You know, books were some of my best friends growing up. I loved Lord of the Rings, you know, all that sorts of things. The Anne McCaffrey series about dragons. It was kind of an escape from reality. And so I started writing off, but coming from an Asian family, writing is not per se like the ideal. We have a few we can do, and it's mostly doctors, lawyers, accountants, engineers, <laughs> maybe a banker, like, ooh, but yeah, professor possibly. Uh, writer is just not. So my parents were supportive, but supportive in the do it as a hobby. And so I wrote a lot in college and I didn't even, and this is one thing I regret and I would say to law students, if you're interested in writing, you don't have to do a particular major to become a lawyer. And I did political science thinking that was gonna be really helpful for law school, but I, my one regret is I really wish I'd done creative writing or something I was really interested in geology, anything I was fascinated by, because I don't think it really mattered for getting into law school. And I think I could have gotten a leg up of my passion a lot earlier. But I continued to write kind of on and off in have a bit of writing ADD. I, I like to say my muse has ADD. So I can almost never finish a project because I'll start a novel and then about a few chapters in, five chapters, sometimes even 10 or 13, suddenly I'll have a brilliant other idea. And it's like seeing a new, you know, exciting, like, look at that. This looks very exciting, much better than whatever I'm doing here. And so I would hop from project to project. And I'm at the point now, having practiced for 23 years and being 46, where I sort of thought, maybe I want to take this seriously. And I happened to meet a woman who was in a writer's group when I was at a field trip. One of the women who was a docent at the museum I was at mentioned she was in a writing group, happened to be fantasy and science fiction writers group. So I said, do you have room? Because I really need accountability partners. And one thing in my life is I can't do it if I don't have external people and stimulus telling me, you got to get this done by this time. Because otherwise, I'm just going to fritter and do what I want and sort of hop from thing to thing. So I joined the group. And it turns out there's a professional author in the group who's a New York Times bestseller. And in particular, reading his stuff and then sending my stuff to him in the group has been really helpful because it inspires me. I'm seeing good writing, but also I have a deadline now. I have to get it to them by a certain time or they won't read it. And I have to read like 30 to 60 pages of his alone during a week, much or in two, a two week period, much less everyone else's. So I'm reading so many pages. It's like, if I don't have them reading mine, <laughs> this is a hu huge uh, commitment for not getting anything out of it. So I'm really at the point now where I am going to finish a novel by the end of the year. And I've submitted three short stories because the group is doing their third publication of short story anthologies. And so that made me get on the ball to pick up three short stories I'd worked on before. And in fact, the novel I'm doing 
I had, I had about 10 or so chapters, hundred pages done. I just never finished it. And so now I'm submitting those pages and I'm 130 pages in that they've seen and I have a hundred more. So this has been the secret that's taken me 46 uh, years to learn. But to be fair, and this is what I told a new writer the other day, if you want to just have it as a hobby as an attorney, that's great too. And I did that and I enjoyed it. Um, it is not as fun once it's not a hobby, once you have that goal. It's not, not quite as fun anymore. Now I have to, it's a little bit of a, ugh, on a weekend, I don't want to work on this. It just depends what your goal is. So you kind of have to figure that out, what you're willing to commit to it. And if you really are committed to finishing something and maybe publishing, then find a writer's group or accountability partners or whatever works for you to get that passion down and kind of uh, direct it in the right direction. So that's, that's been my journey. So at 46, I'm finally at the point of, like I said, publication and finishing a project. I love that. You know, there's something about the 40s when you get to in your 40s, oh, you get so to you good. get to check some of those boxes uh, of what you've always dreamed to do. What about you, Steve? Tell us about your journey. You're in claims. You're the vice president of claims. Yes. Uh, so how did you how did you end up writing a children's book? This is amazing. Well, uh, it, it didn't start with writing a children's book. Uh, you, you know, just um, you know, my journey in writing is, is a little bit different. Uh, uh, back in the 90s, I, I was uh, at American International Group, AIG, and I was asked to speak at a practicing law institute seminar on accountants liability. And uh, this, this attorney, Dan Goldwasser, that her price uh, uh, asked me to be on the panel. So I'll be great. That'll be great. I'll do it. And then he wanted me to write two chapters for the textbook. And they go, oh, no, I have to write. What, how am I? And then uh, it just flowed. And I, I did a lot of mediation and negotiation. So one chapter is on that and one another chapter is on bad faith. Uh, and I always remember what he said uh, that uh, if you ever want to be an expert in something, just write about it. Uh, so uh, I have, uh, I chaired the dispute resolution committee for the tip section of the American Bar Association. And I put together a book on negotiation for the, uh, for my sec, my, my dispute resolution committee. Uh, so I have, I have that book already done uh, that uh, uh, I have. Uh, so going back to the, then to the, kids book i had no plans on writing a kids book at all uh it just so happened i was um, with my girlfriend in rome and we always do some kind of airbnb place when we go somewhere uh so because we have the two bathrooms and she gets her own bathroom and uh, makes things easier uh and she likes my cooking so i was in rome for a whole week and I think we had a turkey panini out the whole time. I, I had to do all the cooking the whole week and shopping, whatever. But it's okay. She likes my food. And I like my food. It works. But anyway, that's, but when we got there, we got there. Uh, it was August and the electricity was out and it was really hot. And she, it was right in the middle when she was coloring her hair. So you can imagine this black hair dye going down her, into her eyes. And, and so she was, and we had jet lag on top of it. So she's tired. And then, and, and so everything was going wrong. And, and then she was in this really cranky mood. So finally, uh, it just came out of me that you're a tyrannical crankosaurus. 
And that's probably how all the bigger dinosaurs died. There's this little dinosaur that kept cranking out a saurus, saurus being like really big problems in Yiddish. And, uh, and then uh, uh, she wouldn't stop until all the big dinosaurs died. And that got a laugh out of her. Uh, and also it was something we had fun with. So, if, uh, so you know, now whenever somebody's feeling cranky, I have this crank at saurus in me and uh, like I always say, it's like if it's like eating food, like if you, or you, you ate some bad food or you drank too much, and you know instead of going, you know, like in that situation, you say, "Where's the bathroom? I need to do something," uh, and someone points to the bathroom, but we crank out our sores on on people anyways, and we hurt people like that. So it, it became a fun thing, like a warning signal. Uh, so uh, and then. Uh, uh, this, this, I run, I, do, I go uh, running a lot, uh, long distance running, so things fall into my head. And uh, I had this dinosaur story in my head. So uh, uh, one night after a couple of beers, I was just turn on the computer, start typing away. And I read it to people the next day, say, hey, that's funny. So uh, I found a publisher and, and the illustrator, and uh, then I got a book. So you've, you come up with that great idea and you start writing your book. How do you find the publisher? Like, how, how do you even get there? Well, there, there's, and it's a still a learning process. And there's all sorts of different, it's, it's very easy if you just wanted to uh, self-publish, load up your book, make some changes that gets modified, whatever. And you could have a book online. You could do that sort of way. Uh, then there's this hybrid publishing uh, uh, area where uh, you get actually get a publisher. And, uh, and that's what I did with my, my kid's book, uh, where in the one big advantage of that, uh, you just upload the manuscript and they say, hey, we're interested. Uh, but with the kid's book, what happens is that they send you about like 80, 90 different illustrators or works. And you get to look at them and I pick the three I like the best. And then out of the three, then they send me a lot more work. So then I, I, I uh, picked the one I like out of those three. And um, my illustrator did a phenomenal job. So that was the big advantage of doing it that way as opposed to self-publishing. That's, I think that's fascinating. So this is, this is my take on, on what you guys do. And tell me if, if I'm wrong. So my husband's a teacher. That's his, his job. But he's in a band on the weekends. And so he plays out at bars. It's his passion. He doesn't make a ton of money out of it. In fact, I always tell, I think with the time that he puts in, he probably doesn't make anywhere close to the money that I think maybe professional musicians do or should or whatever. But, but it's his passion. And right now with COVID shut down, he can't play out and you can tell it in his personality. You know, when you have a passion and love for something, you're pulled to doing it. Is that your experience with writing? Is it something that you have to do? Is it your creative outlet or is it more of a money-making thing? For me, yeah, I, I'm, I'm an attorney, so I will take oxygen in the room if you give me that <laughs> opportunity, Tricia. That's my, that's mm -hmm. sort of my thing. Um, for me, it is, I, I'm not making any money at it yet. I would hope to at some point, but I do think for writing in terms of the passion, it is, it is something you have to enjoy doing even when you're not good at it and when you're not making money and getting any accolades from it. 
And what I found when I did it mostly as a hobby, because I still was producing quite a bit, even as a hobby, that you'd think, why are you writing all this stuff that you're not submitting to anybody? It's just sitting in your computer or in your drawer. That seems sort of bizarre, right? I'm not even like your husband where I'm sharing it with the world. For me, it, it's kind of therapeutic. So I love to have ideas. I love to, and you guys know as lawyers, you know, problem solving is such a big part and writing, especially writing fiction is such a problem solving exercise. I mean, you are constantly thinking like the novel I'm writing right now, I really wasn't sure how it was going to end for a while. And all of a sudden one day as I'm about 10 chapters in, I'm like, wait a second, I just realized what the perfect ending is. And then I had to write the ending, which is going to inform a lot of, and then go back and add in some chapters, but there's so much puzzle making. So it is like anytime you have a passion, there is a sort of therapeutic flow element to it. And you're almost doing it more for yourself than anyone else or any money. I, I don't know that you could be a really good writer if you don't have a passion for it or, or musician. There's just certain things I think if you don't, I, I can be a great lawyer with having a passion, but not a love of it. I wouldn't do it if I wasn't paid. Let's put it that way. Writing. You want to be a I lawyer for free? Yeah. No, that is not. And I don't know many people who would just, you know, so I wouldn't do what I do for free in terms of, of being a lawyer, but the writing, I'm going to do that for the rest of my life. And like I said, it, for me, it's kind of therapeutic. And I, oh, I would add on this. And I met both Trisha and Megan on LinkedIn. One thing that really helped me in terms of focusing the passion was posting on LinkedIn every day because all that writing has similarities. I mean, there's a lot of creativity in the posts on LinkedIn I see from both you guys. And that's just the same thing. You know, that's the passion. It's even if you weren't making money at it, you probably would do it because you enjoy the creative process and then also putting it out there. But you know, there's, there's some beauty to writing this or videotaping it and then posting it and having this completed project. It, I find there's a, a huge uh, joy to that in a way that you, it's hard to find in other things. And, and I can see that, you know, um, and if anybody's listening is not on LinkedIn, you need to get on LinkedIn just to follow Steve and Lisa. They really do put out a lot of content. Um, but I, I feel like the stuff that Megan and I put out, um, the writing we put is nothing like what you guys do. What you guys do is a whole new level of just the process itself. Like I could put together uh, 1300 character posts in 20 minutes and then it's done and it's out there. But what you guys do is, is time and effort and dedication, blood, sweat, and tears. What about you, Steve? What's your take on passion versus money when it comes to the creative writing? Well, it, it, yeah, it's, uh, it, it's uh, passion. It has to be passion first. Uh, I, I have to admit that uh, with this project, this, this book, uh, I'm hoping it does well, you know, so uh, uh, I do think it has, uh, it has a message in it that, that's unique. So uh, I'm excited about that. So uh, if it, but uh, it is the passion first. Uh, uh, I, I, when I go out running, uh, you know, most of my writing comes from uh, go out for like running for two hours and the whole thing just a flies into my head and just lands there that the whole dinosaur book was something that really came to me while I was running. Uh, and then uh, with this uh, project, uh, it, it, this, this second book started out as a blog. And the only reason uh, I started doing the blog was I got a review on the, my dinosaur book. Somebody wrote, I didn't write enough about overcoming crankiness and I 
got annoyed at that because it was about embracing crankiness. Uh, it's about we're all cranky, you know. So, uh, so uh, I started writing different things about, about the, calling it the Crankosaurus method, uh, and uh, so every time there'll be something uh, that flies into my head, that, that's that's kind of it has to be humorous. So I I, I try to have a point, and uh, it, it's somewhat humorous. Uh, I also go back to my negotiation and, and legal skills in there. There said there's a Krakatsaurus lawyer. Uh, I was married 20 years to a therapist and I've been eight years with another therapist. So, uh, so that, that has rubbed off on me 28 years of being around therapists. And it's funny uh, what Lisa was talking about. You had, you have one idea in your mind and then you start writing and it changes. So, so, uh, uh, I have, uh, like one chapter, uh, after a big argument with my brother, I started writing Shoot the Messenger Crankatsaurus. And I was, and it was really about trying this, this poor messenger just gets shot all the time. And he's just the messenger, you know, it's just, well, why do you have to shoot the messenger? No one ever talks about shooting the person who gave the messenger the message. But um, by the time I was writing it, all of a sudden I decided the messenger needs to be shot. Absolutely, you have to shoot the messenger, and, and and just to let you know why you have to shoot the messenger, and we we all have this. Uh, I have this mediation uh, mediation right now uh, for the seems like going on for a year, uh, and the mediator uh, he just wants to be a messenger. It's just like I I never knew uh, like you could you could make like five hundred dollars an hour just to be a messenger. I, I like to be be that. I'm only the messenger, you know for. If I want to the messenger, I pay you $15 an hour minimum wage and then, then we'll be happy. So <laughs> I told my husband he should become a mediator because that's what he's good at. And I'm like, they make a lot of money. And, you know, and then you're done. You don't have the clients calling you. You're done when it's done. It sounds ideal. Mm -hmm. So did you did you publish the Shoot the Messenger therapeutic blog that you wrote after you talked to your brother? Uh, it's it's on LinkedIn. Uh, it's it's on LinkedIn. And uh, it's uh, it's a chapter in, in my book. Uh, so, uh, uh, and now, uh, t tomorrow I'll be writing the straw that broke the camel's back Crankatsaurus. <laughs> and, uh, which is, which is, it's interesting. It's like the one straw and, and of course you get your back broken. So it's a serious injury from a one little straw. So it's, I have a funny story. I'm going to use, uh, Cain and Abel and, uh, and actually, uh, Abel, Kane comes back from hunting. He's a hunter and uh, in the desert because, you know, that's where they are in, in the desert. And uh, they, they see Camel. Camel has his back broken. And, but Abel, what happened, he had a, a can of Pepsi. Even back then they had Pepsi. And he, he was given a straw for the Pepsi. And it was a paper straw, not a plastic straw. But he had to open up the can of Pepsi while he and he couldn't hold the straw at the same time so he put the straw on the camel's back and this poor one little straw broke the camel's back who knew that is awesome do you have a comedy background have you done improv or something in the back in your background <laughs> did do open mic back i when i was in uh a young uh, attorney back in pittsburgh uh in the eight, late 80s uh, i did open mic and uh, actually back then i, I wasn't very good well and that, that's one thing I want to touch on because I all I when, when you and I talked before you and me cracking up with all your your 
your stories in, in your book. And Lisa, you crack me up all the time. And do you find that you weave your humor into your writing or is it more of a, like a different outlet for you? Uh, the humor, it depends on what vehicle I'm doing. So I'm writing a fantasy, uh, a fantasy novel right now. And that's really not a room for humor. It starts off with a little girl whose mother's actually executed by her father. So not super humorous. Um, but I love LinkedIn for humor. And I was going to say with Trisha, it's, it's interesting you said our writing so different on LinkedIn because I actually tried to imitate writers like you two when I first got on LinkedIn. I'd see your posts and I was like, okay, Trisha's the, you know, Yoda of LinkedIn. I'm gonna, but I wasn't good at it. And it wasn't, it wasn't good at all. And what I realized is like, I want to write kind of perfectly and beautifully and organized, but that's just not how my brand works. And so as soon as I became myself, that's when it starts. So it's just different and you have to sort of find your own, own voice, but it depends what I'm writing. So I have one fantasy book half finished. That's a comedy. And I do write some uh, comedy works, but it's not everything. It really depends on my mood. And I think what I find is when I write the deeper, darker stuff is when I'm going through a more depressing phase of my life where it's not, because most of the time, if things are difficult, I'll use humor as my defense but there's times when life is so difficult that humor really doesn't cut it you know there there's those times and for those times those are when I really use the writing as an outlet for some more serious um uh, things and in fact it's funny because three two of the short stories I submitted or three of them to my writers group and they were written a while ago I was like gosh there's a lot of people dying in the end piece and they're really deep heavy I was like my 20s must have been super depressing because at one of them and I'm just going to tell you the guy at the end of it actually it, it's an alien story in space and kind of a no hope for the human race but he ends up killing his wife his children and himself at the end mm -hmm. of it and I thought oh my god what headspace was I in at that you know 25 it's not so I'm glad not to always be in that space, but uh, it's, it's not always funny. That one was not, not a funny one. The people in my group were like, wow. In fact, the professional writer said, he goes, that was the only logical conclusion of your story, but I was interested to see if you were gonna be brave enough to go there. And I was like, you know, if I hadn't been 25 when I, if I hadn't not had a child, I don't think I'd write that now have a child. It's just a totally different person, but what your different stages of your life. Yeah, I went there and it was, was not a fun ending. So yeah, it just depends. A lot is very mood driven for me. I'm a, I'm a creature of mood and whatever mood I'm in, that's what I go with. Well, you guys um, obviously have your day jobs as a lawyer and, you know, vice president for an insurance company. How do they feel about your side project and passion? Are they supportive? Do they know? What's that like? It's, it's kind of mixed. Uh, it was funny. Uh, uh, you know, everyone's supportive with like a, a dinosaur book. No one has a problem with that uh, or this book, this project. Uh, I have a lot of uh, legal related articles uh, and I, I put disclaimers on that before uh, I publish, publish any of the uh, uh, legal articles. The, 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 the funny thing is that on LinkedIn, I will post, um, let's say, a, a Crankosaurus Thing, or if I like, I have an article published, and uh, uh, I will um, post uh, like, oh, I have this article, and it's it's it comes up as a post. Uh, I don't necessarily get a lot of hits on that. Uh, I did write a survival guide for outside counsel, and that will get like a thousand views, so that gets a lot of reading time. Uh, not everything gets that kind of uh, play. Uh, so, uh, 
uh, I was experimenting uh, back in, I think it was like February, started like just pulling little things out, comments, like whatever I written in, in the articles. And then it would get like into this big discussion, uh, which was a lot of fun. And I think uh, Megan might've been uh, on there on one of some of those. And uh, uh, I found out that there's the AIG police and, um, and they don't want me publishing, putting anything out there in that sort of way, giving, even though I, I was like very careful not to do anything. And the funny thing, what got me in trouble uh, was uh, actually uh, uh, what is now the Crankitsaurus chicken chapter in my book. And it's also a blog post where, and how it's first started, it was like, because I handle real estate professional liability cases. So there was uh, this, this guy who bought a, a chicken farm, uh, but there was no chickens. Uh, and uh, so, he so he sued uh, uh, the real estate agent for uh, uh, not misrepresenting the number of chickens on the farm. And, and, the, and the real estate agent, uh, well, first he felt really bad, so he went to the supermarket and, he, and uh, he goes, well, you need the eggs first. The eggs come before the chickens. I went to the supermarket, I got you a couple dozen eggs. Well, that, that, there's no chickens in there. And then the real estate agent, well, the, the grass is always uh, is greener on the other side. And then, of course, the, the, the owner says, you never told me that the grass is, is always greener on the other side. Uh, and... Uh, and you know, then he complained that that was like a, a, a foul, a, a poor excuse, a foul excuse. And then they says, no, it's a poultry excuse. But anyway, <laughs> but but the funny thing about that story is that somebody at AIG thought it was a real case, and they they said I shouldn't be putting out real cases. Like I really have this chicken farm real estate agent E&O claim that somebody bought a chicken farm with no chickens on it. So, so I was told to stop it. And, and that's why if you don't, like all of a sudden you were seeing me on there and then I disappeared in that way. Uh, but I still do like articles. Well, I will say that's probably proof that claims can, you can see, you see everything in claims that that could be believable as a real case. Yes. <laughs> I did have a chicken coop claim once by yeah, the way, but it wasn't about the chicken. It was about like the faulty wiring that killed, caused a fire and killed everybody, killed all the chickens. Oh, oh, that's um, What about you, yeah. Lisa? How, how's your, how's your employer take it? So I am really careful. I work for the state of California. I'm a supervising attorney for the state and I've been with them for a long time. And one of the things I did early on in LinkedIn was just purge any reference to my specific employer from my profile. Uh, and I do have, you know, the freedom to write and post what I want. I have First Amendment uh, protections. That said, I I'm pretty careful about it. No one has said anything yet about any of my writing. And again, nothing's been published. I don't think they'll have any issue with any of the writing. I will say, on a side note, I am working on, in the humor category, Megan, for you, a screenplay, a sitcom called Uncivil Service, which does have some comic elements that are both for my imagination and exaggerations of, of things I've seen or heard about it in the civil service area, which is uh, my writing teacher who I, I'm working with now because of the COVID. She actually wrote for Star Trek and um, 
was a script consultant on Wrath of Khan, so she's a, a good writer, and I sent it to her wow. to take a look at. And the one thing she said was, this is too crazy. You need to tone it down. I said, okay. She's like, it's too much comedy. You need to have like the straight man in there to just break it up. Because uh, there's, but, and I'll see if, if that ends up, if at some point I submit that to, let's say, a Netflix or something, um, that might get some blowback. There may be a talking to, with me about that. But again, I'm writing fiction and I'm allowed to do that. And I'm retiring in eight years. So we'll see. Uh, and I'm not revealing any attorney client confidence. You know, I'm very careful, as Steve said, there's nothing that's at all related to my clients in any of my writing period, because that's just something I don't do. So all, all things are my own personal experiences, pretty much. And that, that's how I view that, avoid that. But I, I do keep it very separate as well. I don't often, I don't have anyone at my work reading any of my work, typically. Can I just say a side note to what you just said? I'm a huge Star Trek fan. I was raised on Star Trek. So Wrath of Khan, oh my God, I would love to pick her brain. My well, and I will, is- yeah. Yeah, I was going to also tell you, so this is a really fascinating thing. You know how in Wrath of Khan, Spock, and uh, there's that scene with Spock and Kirk where Spock is dying. Spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't seen it. And they're down there with the hand thing. Well, Judy's the one who, when she was consulting on it, originally the script was written with Kirk up in the starship and Spock was down on the planet. And they were just communicating by the, you know, whatever communication devices. And Judy's told the writer who she was working with, you need to have them together. That's going to be a really powerful scene. They've got to be in the same physical place, even if they're separated, because that's going to be like a very poignant moment for the the screenplay. So yeah, she's... uh, I, she probably would love to, she's retired now, but she's fantastic and such a great storyteller and her daughter's a lawyer. So that's one of the other things she was telling me about this idea in writing. Uh, she was saying in writing like Schindler's List or a lot of good screenplays because she's a screenplay teacher and writer and taught for UCLA and UC Riverside. She says that it's kind of, they call it a decision tornado where you give your character decisions and then they get smaller and small, few, less, fewer and fewer ability to make decisions where you're forcing them into a, ultimate conclusion and so it kind of comes down like a tornado and I said well that's really interesting because I said you know what legal writing is really similar you start off with this sort of huge arena of ideas and and issues and then you start to pare it down and then get to the most you know cogent argument and then you hit home with that and she said yeah she goes when my daughter was in law school I used to help her with her studies and we'd go through the cases and we would use the tornado decision like making process to funnel it down into the the kind of discrete most relevant portion slash argument uh and so that to me was just a you know I'm starting to see a lot more I used to view them as very different I'm starting to see a lot more like wow there's a lot of carryover and crossover and again you're writing for an audience for both right you're writing for whether it's a judge or whether it's a legal audience that's going to be reading it or whether it's a an audience that's going to be reading a book it's similar principles. Uh, that's interesting too, because I, I, I would think it's so different. Like I, would I, I think of legal writing as very formulaic, like, and that's how we're taught, whatever, what was it? Iraq or whatever. Iraq. Yeah. Iraq. Yeah. Um, so I, that, that one that you're talking about the similarities, I'm like, it makes sense. But to me, I'm like, to me, legal writing is kind of boring. I mean, it's just like, you just follow a formula. Um, and it's not that creative. I mean, there's creative elements to it, of course, but I just think on a, uh, as a rule, it's not the most creative writing. Oh yeah, uh, it's much more boring, more <laughs> and to read too, if I'm honest. Because again, 
all I do is read legal opinions and case law and statutes all day. That's my job. Um, but again, once you start, especially editing other people's work, as I see it, you start to really see the structure. There's some structural similarities, not, not the, I've always said, I'd love to do a, an opinion on, can we get one on leprechauns and unicorns? Cause that would be an interesting opinion to write. I haven't gotten one yet. So I'm like Trisha with the, the, chicken coops i'm still looking for something magical to write about at work well but, i'm gonna uh, the, i'm gonna send you a unicorn opinion there is a unicorn opinion out there i'm gonna send yes. you one. okay yeah i will be very excited for that but one thing i'm curious about is when you have a new idea do you share it with other people or kind of keep it to yourself in fears that someone might like steal your idea like stealing a patent well for me and i have talked to a lot of screenwriters and everything about that um, I at first was scared of that when I was first writing, but what I realized is how you execute it is going to be completely different anyway. And for me, talking it out with people gives me a lot of fleshing it out and change. And it changes so much, as Steve said. Your idea may change so much through the process that what you start with. So I actually posted on LinkedIn the other day because I had a dream, and I think it's a great story idea. I had a dream, and in the dream, I came up with a story idea. And the story was a lady who invents a time machine, and she... Um, goes forward a week to test out the time machine because you'd only go forward like a week. You wouldn't want it to be too crazy in the future, you know, because then who knows what's, is that building going to even be there? So she goes forward a week and then sees like either a newspaper article or an obituary that she's been murdered and the day before she, that week forward. So six days from her jump in forward in time. So she goes back and then the rest of the story or screenplay is going to be about her trying to solve the mystery of why she was murdered and stop it from happening, which as it's going to turn out, ironically, all her efforts lead to her murder, of course, which my husband immediately was like, this is going to be ironic, isn't it? I'm like, yes, that, that's exactly where we're going with that. So I guess not that, not that surprising. But um, I came up with that and I posted on LinkedIn. I thought someone else might take it. And then I said, you know, I want to post it. It's going to help me get excited about it. And to be honest, how someone else would write it, because I've had other people take my ideas before and say, can I write a short story about it? In fact, one guy in my writing group, my other writing group with Judy, the Star Trek uh, teacher, he took one of my ideas, he wrote a story and it was completely different than what I would have written. And so what that made me realize is the execution is worth 90%, honestly. You know, there's, as one writer who I went to a seminar of his said, he goes, there's a million great ideas out there and it's how it's executed so he's like we could come up with because one lady said could i sell my ideas and he goes there's just so many good ideas they're not you know it's the execution that's why people buy screenplays usually and not just a a log line or one idea but you steve you guard your ideas or you uh kind of have that same philosophy as lisa uh i i don't uh necessarily guard uh my ideas it's more like uh uh and you know in terms of ideas just like uh, I don't see people running out, uh, uh, like if I post a blog, uh, you know, running with it or whatever, you know, I'm going to have this book out pretty soon. Uh, so that, that's, uh, not, not something I think about even that someone's going to write about crankiness or, uh, or just take over crank it source. I do have, it's a copyrighted thing so they can't use it. And to give you guys an example, just sorry to interrupt, Trisha, but there's, if you look in the movie industry, like there was Dante's Inferno, at the same time there was another volcano movie. A lot of times there was a tombstone at the same time as there was Wide Earp. So there are a lot of times, 
where there can be multiple vehicles at the same time for the same idea. They're just done differently. And I don't, I think there's a broad enough market, both in writing and screenwriting, that if you do it well, there will be a market for it, whether there's something similar out there or not. I love that. Uh, can you guys talk about your process? Um, is it a, an everyday thing that you write? And then how do you fit that process into your day job? How do you find the time to do it? My process, uh, it, it comes in waves. So and actually how I started all this, um, you know, I have this book I did uh, for the ABA. And uh, a few years ago, I went on LinkedIn, it says publish an article. So since I already have the book in different chapters, uh, and I already had another article in my head anyway, uh, I, I copied and pasted and, and all of a sudden, wow, it looks really professional on LinkedIn. Uh, and then uh, uh, all of a sudden, I, I think I wrote about like over 20 articles within like six months. Uh, just like uh, I just had a rush of stuff uh, flying into my head. And a lot of that process was uh, uh, like Sunday morning, I'll run for two hours. And then uh, what, during that two hour run, I had this thing completely uh, set up in my head. Uh, and then I get back in the afternoon and I start writing it and it's done. And well, I love happens. your process, Steve. I wish I had that process. I do not have that process. My process, well, especially since having, being a mom now, my process is, you know, very constrained. And I'm the primary caregiver for my kid. My husband, you know, he, he's, as he says, he does a lot of uh, the, the stuff with my, for work. So he, he makes a lot of the money and I have civil servant salary, which is great, but I do all of the childcare. Um, so mm. my schedule is pretty constrained. And one of the things I find is I'm in two writing groups. And what that helps me do is I owe pages on Sunday nights every two weeks and then on Tuesday nights every, every week. And I will usually write actually during the day at some point. I use it as a break from work because that's something I enjoy doing. So I actually like to do my legal work a little bit on weekends to clear myself calendar for Monday. And then I like to spend Monday and Tuesday doing a little bit of the writing and the self-editing. Um, so I really have to use the external process. But like Steve, I find a lot of the same thing if I'm running, taking a walk, or, or driving. Ideas will come to me, and they kind of start writing themselves. So it's like it's writing itself in my mind, and I'm seeing how the word or the scene is going to go. And it's almost like it runs through a few times, and then that's when it'll flow on paper for me. Although when you have a writing group, you don't always have that luxury. So the one good thing with the writing group is I am forced to write when I'm not inspired, which, you know, sometimes I'm not. Sometimes I don't want to write it. I'm like, this one's really, especially a fantasy novel. I love the freedom of fantasy, but I also hate the freedom of fantasy. So the freedom of fantasy is you're not researching or constrained by any culture or political or rules or whatever. But the, the horrible part of it is you have to make it all up yourself. So you're constantly making up, what do the buildings look like? What is the culture like? How are the women treated? How are, you know, this or that? And um, yeah, so, but my process, I'm working on, that's something I'm actively working on and trying to be more disciplined about. And I think what you have to do is find what works for you. It doesn't work for me to write a certain time of day because some people are really good at that. I'm not. I pick certain days that I need to write on and then I find the time during that day when I'm able to write, have time, and I'm inspired. And um, like I said, having that writer's group really forces me. So that's, I, I need to be forced. 
I think that's fascinating. And by the way, I love your cat's guest appearance. <laughs> so I find that I do find that fascinating because, you know, everybody has a process. It's kind of cool that you actually don't have like a daily process. So when like I hear stories of Jerry Seinfeld, since you brought up Jerry Seinfeld, I hear stories that he had a process where he wrote a joke every day. And I think he's done that for 20, 30 years. And that's his process, that consistency. But it doesn't always work for everybody. So it's cool to hear that you guys have kind of your own individual process, process that fits into your life. What, what happens when you hit writer's block or you don't have that creativity or you don't know what to write? What, how, do you, how do you get through that? Well, I've, I'll start first with this. I've traditionally switched projects, which hasn't been super helpful, or I've quit for periods of time. So I would quit for like a couple of years and just not write at all. That has not been the awesomest. It's fine as a hobby, but not to finish something. Um, so now what I'm doing is just because I have the pages due, I force myself to write through it. And I force myself to do just a minimum small amount, but just some amount, whatever it is. Like I don't you know, I, I don't say I got to do 30 pages. I do a chapter. And if the chapter is like five pages and the interesting thing about that I found is, so sometimes when you write, it really flows. It's like the story is literally writing itself. These characters are doing what they want. They're just rolling out on the page in front of you. It's, it's sort of crazy. And then sometimes it's like, you're pulling your own teeth with the rusty pair of pliers. I mean, it's, it's literally like every word is in what does this table look like and what kind of a spoon are they using? You know, everything is just horrendous. But one chapter, and this gave me some great heart that I wrote recently where it was that way, it was some of the readers, they really enjoyed the chapter where I felt like it was like, this feels awful writing it, but they actually really loved it. So I, I think it may be a little bit like with your own child, you can't always tell how good looking they are. <laughs> or you know how good your perspective's a little off so it helps to have a group it, accountability partners and people to to push you on that's that for me that's the only way to get through writer's block is to have them saying you got to get it to us and we'll tell you if it's good or bad but uh, other than that there's no way that I can get it done so I don't know Steve seems a little more self self-motivated than I am I don't call it writer's block it's just uh it's it's just it is, I find it funny that I'll, I'll get a whole bunch of stuff coming at me all at once. And uh, with, with the legal stuff, it was like, there was just like a flood uh, that, that just came, came and it was just nonstop for a while. And then all of a sudden, okay, I've, I've done it. And then something happens, you know, when the, with the legal stuff, there's always like a case that, uh, there, there's a, some sort of teaching and then it creates a story and then it creates a, some sort of strategy or something I've used before that I could pull in different pieces and it becomes an article. Uh, with, uh, like, so with, with this book, I, I actually submitted it to the publisher and it was 25 pay, chapters, a 25 chapter book. And, uh, and I thought I was done. And uh, since I'm now up to 33, so I keep sneaking in and before it's finally done, I keep sneaking in another chapter uh, and so it's some of the, the, the best uh, stuff. Um, so, uh, so, so, uh, so, you know, the, uh, I don't look at it as writer's block. It's just, it's more like what's, what's coming. Uh, and if it comes, it comes. If it doesn't, it doesn't. So, uh, 
uh, the funny thing is that I, I didn't plan on writing this book. I wasn't saying, oh, am I going to write this book now? Or uh, I know after uh, I wrote the, my, my dinosaur book, the, everybody asked me, what, what's the next kid's book? Everybody was assuming it's going to be a kid's book. And uh, I started thinking about different uh, stories or do I continue with the Tyrannocrankosaurus or, uh, and it, it was started, sounded like contrived. It wasn't like, it was like forced. Uh, so what I like about what I'm doing now, it, 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 it's very organic. It just, it just happens in front of me. Uh, so I just take what I'm given, essentially. What piece of advice would you give for people that have a love for writing, um, maybe not as part of their job or maybe part of their job, whatever, but maybe a lawyer or a claims person or anybody else who has a, a regular daytime gig but loves to write on the side, what advice would you have to take it to the next level? If they're just doing it for themselves, maybe posting it on LinkedIn, what, what's, what would be your advice to them? For me, it would definitely be find a writer's group. Uh, that's what really helped me. And, and I know a lot of people have asked how I did it. And so my path, like I said, was unconventional. I was at a, a field trip. But if you go to your local bookstore, so I had actually been made aware of a, another local writer's group by going to a bookstore a locally owned bookstore where they would have authors come and there was an author who came and talked about a book he had written called In Their Own Words, where he had interviewed a number of writers. He was a um, journalist who'd interviewed a bunch of writers on their writing process. And so one of my friends said, why don't you go watch, uh, go listen to this talk? I listened to it. I talked to him and they had a writer's group at the bookstore for writers to meet as a sort of social group, including himself and some other that met, I think, every third Sunday. I didn't go to that because what I felt like I really needed was the accountability partners of people rating my work at this point. Um, and so, but somebody else at that group also said there's a, you know, Placer County writers group you could join as well. The timing didn't work for me. I had to find the writers group where the timing as a mom worked, especially now that it's on Zoom, it's actually great. Um, but I would say if you want to bring it up to the next level, it really is important that you be around other people who are writing and not just your friends. Cause I had given works to my friends before and it's great to have friends read it, but they're not people who are writing every day. They're not in the industry and they are a little constrained in giving you the kind of feedback you might need. So I would say that for me has been by far the most just 180 degree turn in how I'm doing my writing was to find a writer's group to join. And if the first one doesn't work out, look for a second one, because I think probably like dating it's going to be somewhat specific to your personality. So don't, like a job, don't, don't end with the first one if it's not working out. doesn't mean you're not meant to be married. It just means this guy was not for you. Is, is, there, a match, is there a match.com for, for writing groups? I'll tell you what, that would be in big demand now with COVID. That's not a bad idea, Tricia. I'll let, I'll let you take that one. You can take that idea and run with it if you want. <laughs> what about you, Steve? What piece of advice would you, would you give? Well, I think that writing group is a great idea. I have to find one. Uh, uh, I, I think, uh, you know, just never forget that you're an observer of life. And uh, it's amazing what you, you find just in the day uh, and, and then start writing about it. Uh, the other thing is that if you, uh, uh, you know, people don't realize it, that uh, uh, you could write, it comes out, it really, it, just the feeling of being an author uh, that LinkedIn start that like, 
uh, you know, I've published articles like in some journal or whatever, I've done that. Uh, and uh, I don't know, I, I got more excited about the LinkedIn uh, than like, let's say like uh, an ABA tips journal, like just something that like two people get, it just gets, gathers dust, gets thrown out, it's just the physical piece. But uh, being on the computer, it was actually more exciting uh, and it was more immediate, you know, it's just uh, that, uh, uh, you know, I, I did this article and it, it's this published thing out there. Uh, so, uh, so, you know, that got me started. And uh, once you get started, uh, it, it, it becomes like, well, I wouldn't say an addiction, but uh, it, it's fun. It gets to be fun and then you just want to keep doing it. So, uh, uh, I would recommend that uh, just to, to play with that. And, and um, if uh, somebody's just writing a, a, a story, a novel, uh, just how easy it is. To, uh, you know, if you, if you just do a self-publishing, uh, that, that you know, it's really like if, if I'm writing a, like a novel uh, or, or just a regular book, I'm doing it a little differently for a reason, but but if you just wanted to publish, self-publish, you could, you could do it on Kindle for pretty much nothing, like or maybe no more than like five hundred dollars, or Lulu.com for very little money, uh, and you're published. Uh, you know, there's reasons I might not do it, but but because it's so easy to get published today, you get your IBN number and and you have a book, uh, so. Uh, that that's not a bad place to start. The the only problem with that is then it's again it's a learning process with publicity and getting reviews and the writing was the fun part. Uh, if you if once you publish all the other stuff, it, it's a lot of work and it's not much fun and, and it does cost money. So like I know with this, I'm actually using a, a publisher a publicist. So. Uh, uh, which is really good. They, they've been great. Uh, uh, but again, it costs money to do it. Uh, so so that's, what is, that's what I would recommend to start just writing like on LinkedIn. It, it's a good place to start because it just looks nice. And, and, um, and you could go and you can make changes and you could do whatever you want with it and see how it works and you could experiment. I love that advice too. I mean, it's something that, you know, we all, I think all of us on this call are regularly contributing some in some way, shape or form to LinkedIn. Um, and it certainly helped me with my writing, but it helped me with my creativity. So the more creative I got with the mo my post, it was sort of like a slippery slope. I got more creative. My head, my head space went there. I think that's okay. a great piece of advice and it, it's a regular writing, you know, it's it absolutely gets you started. Well, and I think what you said with writer's block, LinkedIn is great because if you post every day, it really forces you to get into the process of working through writer's block. So I would agree with Steve. LinkedIn has been the second thing that's been life-changing for me in terms of just getting out there and then sometimes posting stuff that's not the greatest. And then, like you said, you go through and edit it. And I mean, I find typos and stuff all the time, or sometimes it's not great content, but it really forces you to work that muscle. And like you said, Trisha, to just get creative, even if you're not writing on creative things, you still have to be creative in your presentation in some regard. So I love, love, love LinkedIn. Yeah, I found that at like the very beginning, I really struggled with coming up content. And then I would just sit and let my mind wander. And then I would just have a list of ideas of things 
to do from, you know, things that happen, <laughs> things that each day, you know, any little experience I could have during the day, suddenly I have come up with an idea for something to post. So I think it is helpful to like get those creative juices flowing. Yeah. And reading, oh. reading your guys' stuff on LinkedIn also inspires me. So if I ever go on LinkedIn and I don't know what I'm going to post today, I'll read your guys' stuff first. And then often it's just like something just pops in. So that's what I would say. Not just the, the, the interactive process on LinkedIn is really, really great for creativity. Well, let me, we got to start to wrap this up. So I got a couple of final questions for you. One, the million dollar question. Are you making money? Let me start this to Steve first. Are you making money off of your off of your books uh no i have not made money uh i'm still uh i get a nice tax write-off uh for for uh uh and and the other thing is uh, you know your first book i could tell you uh made a lot of mistakes uh, you know you 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 know you you put money towards something and it, it's just like really literally uh flushing money down the toilet but it, it's it's a learning process uh, so, uh, I have not made money, uh, yet. Um, I like the, I mean, at least if I'm talking just, you know, money making desires, uh, it's nice that I have uh, a kid's cranky book and then now I'm coming up with the grown up guide to effective crankiness. So I have the, the two together and, uh, you know, in terms of branding, it, it, you know, that's one of the things that, that a lot of people talk out there is branding yourself. So uh, I'm, I'm starting to develop that end of it and where that can go, I don't know. And, and that, that's the fun part about it is not knowing. So, uh, but right now I, I haven't reached the point where I made money. But I can envision a whole Crankosaurus brand of books. Like I can, I can see this and running shirts, off. And shirts, and shirts. That's what I was thinking. Getting one. Mm-hmm. You're a lot of merch, shirt. kid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All the merchandising, the dolls. I mean, you could, you could really, yeah. you yeah. could really yeah. take off with that brand. Mm-hmm. I love that. So let's just two final questions for both of you. First is, um, who's your favorite author or what, or who are you reading right now? I'm reading, so one of the series I love is the Red Rising series um, by, I think it's like Pierce Brown is his name. And so I'm in the, I think, fourth or fifth book, and I'm waiting for the sixth one. It's a science fiction. It's great. Uh, one of the ones I'm, authors I'm back to, to inspire kind of the book I'm, I'm currently writing is Raymond Feist, who wrote a lot of fantasy things. But, um, you know, there's some really good, Roger Zelazny for fantasy is fantastic. Uh, so those are some of my, my favorite in the fiction area. About you, Steve. Uh, I I have to plead guilty. I haven't been reading much. I, uh, the the thing about being on on the the claim side is that I'm reading all day long. Uh, so uh, it, either I'm, I'm running in the morning. Uh, I I and I do a lot of cooking and uh, shopping and um, and and then you know just even at night uh, there's like you know this case or that case so it just never stops. So uh, uh, I've been very guilty of that. Uh, it was easier when my, my daughter is now 25, but uh, when, uh, when she was growing up, uh, like about every kind of like uh, science fiction or kid book or whatever book that she ended up having, uh, she would have me read. So I, I was forced reading back then, but, <laughs> but now it, 
I, I have my prop between my projects and my work and um, everything else I do. It, it just uh, takes up a lot of time. I hear you. I think, I think a lot of people are, including myself are in that boat. So, well, Oh, oh I was going to say one more wider recommendation. If you're not into sci-fi fantasy, I'm reading a, a really exciting action. It's called the last Odyssey by James Rollins who, that I just started. So I'm finding okay. that it's kind of like Da Vinci code-esque. So if you want to light read for summer, it's a good one. I love it. Listen, I, I, I think this is such, such an interesting episode to talk about people that are in our profession and claims and legal that have this passion that are doing something outside of that and very creative. I, I think it's so fascinating. So let's end with tell people where they can find you and what you have going on, um, whether it's a book promotion or writing, whatever it may be. I'll throw this to you first, Steve. Uh, well, you can find me. I have a www.thelastsurvivingdinosaur.com, which has uh, tells you where to get my book. And it also has uh, all my blogs. Uh, uh, I, I have a podcast, uh, books that make me a podcast. I'm going to be on this Sunday night uh, talking about uh, effective crankiness. Um, so uh, that's through... Uh, uh, th th there's a website. Uh, I have my author page, C. Joseph Author, on Facebook. And uh, I'm on Instagram, also C. Joseph Author. And, and that's where people could find me. And you, you're writing your book, right? And you think that's coming out in the fall, late fall, right? Uh, yes. Uh, I should. Uh, the final touches uh, this weekend, I send it to the, uh, back to uh, the publisher, hopefully by Monday. So, uh, because I, I have a long weekend and uh, I've done two read-throughs and changes and I'm going to do a third read-through today. Not today, this weekend, just to make sure. It, will Amazon be your, the method that people can find that book? And it's called Crankosaurus Method, A Grown-Up Guide to Effective Crankiness, right? Uh, yes, yes, that, that's what it's called. Uh, or it might be reverse, The Grown-Up Guide to Effective Crankiness, The Crankosaurus Method. But uh, it, it's, it's Amazon uh, and, and about basically uh, like about any uh, book selling website, you'll find it. It's just like the dinosaur book you find. And, and uh, it will be hopefully in bookstores. I think it's going to be pushed more because I'm doing it a different way with a publicist. Uh, so uh, it's going to get more exposure than the first time around. Awesome. What about you, Lisa? So for me, you can find me uh, just under my name, Lisa Goldcool on LinkedIn. I don't have any of the other websites, which I should probably get, Steve. So thanks for mm. the, the tip. I will rewatch this and write all that down. Um, and my writer's group is going to be coming out with an anthology of short stories. They haven't decided on a title, but tentatively either War of the Words or Brave New Words in the fall, which should be available on Amazon. And then my novels, The Phoenix Blade, it's going to be, it's a fantasy novel. And I'm hoping it will come out sometime next year. I, if I can't find a publisher, I will likely self-publish on Kindle. But I'm hoping with a professional writer who has a lot of access in my group that he will help me get published. As, as he told me, um, he actually, a professional writer, John Saul, helped him get published the first time when he was unpublished. So we'll see how that goes. I love it. I, it's so impressive, you guys. The fact that you guys have books either out or coming out, it's, it's amazing. That's got to be a hell of an accomplishment. So- Kudos, kudos. And yeah. 
I was just going to say the same thing. You guys make me feel pretty lazy. <laughs> you guys make me feel lazy every time I see all of your videos and posts because mine are always yes, just like right? written, typed out with typos and yours are always so professional. I don't even podcast and everything. I promise you, you guys are crushing it much harder than I am, but I'm trying to keep up. So just trying to keep up in my own arena. Well, I super appreciate the compliments, and I also thank you guys for coming on. It's been an awesome episode. Um, I definitely going to find a reason to get you guys back on, so we'll have to brainstorm on that. I'm going to rely on those your, your creative brains, but um, thanks for coming on, guys. Thanks for listening. If you like what we're doing, please hit that subscribe button. Give us a rating and a review. Super appreciate it, and make sure you join us next time on The Defense Never Rest. We will see you then. <laughs>